today we're going to start a two-part series about faith. I believe that faith is extremely important at all times, but especially in these times which we are living in right now. You know, our lives are full of hardships, confusions, and problems, and we don't always understand why God allows it, why he allows these things, but I do believe that he intends to use them to heighten our Christian maturity and to deepen our faith and our trust in him. And so, to make an analogy, working out isn't always fun or easy. And we may go to the local gym, we may head out for a run, and in terms of growing muscles or upping our conditioning, pain and discomfort often lead to growth. If we want to get stronger, we have to put in the work. If we want to be able to run longer, we've got to push ourselves. Once again, not always fun, not always easy, but we're working towards something. Trials and troubles are like dumbbells and treadmills for the soul. They develop strength and stamina. And in Exodus 14, we find that the Israelites had this experience, and it was a fearful and narrow escape from the Egyptian army. But it actually benefited them. And if you keep reading the story, you see that. Because that experience beefed up their faith and it prepared them for the many challenges that were to come in the wilderness. And those of us that are familiar with the Exodus story, we know that there were plenty of trials and tribulations to come in the wilderness. Years and years worth. We're told, though, that the Israelites, as Don read for us this morning, They feared the Lord, they believed the Lord, and his servant Moses. Faith has a cumulative quality to it. We grow it, oftentimes on a daily basis, but we're storing it up for the future. As we depend more upon God, our faith grows stronger through the many seasons of life. Now, we've talked a little bit about faith, but what exactly is faith? It's a word that's thrown around a lot. And in the the teen and junior Sabbath school class this morning, we, we talked about faith and realized that a synonym for the word faith is, is belief. And so what, what exactly is faith? Over 20 years ago, in Fort Worth, Texas, a lone gunman entered the Wedgwood Baptist Church during a youth rally and opened fire upon the crowd. 
And among the seven people that were tragically killed on that day was a young teen named Cassie Griffin. And the gunman on that day, he took her life, but he couldn't take her faith. And Cassie was known to collect frog figurines, frog trinkets, and and frog jewelry. And according to her parents, the word frog, F-R-O-G, summarized her philosophy of life. Fully rely on God. Fully rely on God. And I believe that's a tremendous definition of faith, what that is. But there are several other definitions of faith in the Bible. And I think sometimes that's where our confusion comes from because you can ask different people what faith means and you might get some varied responses. But the Bible also gives us varied responses. And in Luke chapter one, the Virgin Mary visited her relative Elizabeth who cried out, blessed is she who believed for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And so I I think this is another tremendous definition of faith. Faith is believing that what the Lord has said to us will be accomplished. But then in Romans chapter 4, Paul wrote the following about the patriarch Abraham. Romans 4, 20 and 21. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. So this definition here is similar to the last, but there's a little bit of nuance there. Faith is being fully persuaded that God has the power to do what he has promised. And then in Acts 27, The apostle Paul, shouting through a storm, says, For there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men. For I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. So here we have another definition of biblical faith. Faith is believing that things will happen just as God has told us. We find the definition put another way in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 11, 11. By faith... Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. So if we put all of this together, all these different verses together, we find that faith is believing that what the Lord has said to us will be accomplished. 
Faith is being fully persuaded that God has the power to do what he has promised. Faith is believing that things will happen just as he has told us. And faith is considering him faithful who has given us promises. Because of all that, I believe that we can therefore state that faith is making reasonable assumptions. It's not a blind faith. When we step out of bed in the morning, we assume that the floor is going to be there underneath our feet. When we pour orange juice in the glass, we expect that the glass is going to hold the orange juice in it. When we sit in a chair, we also assume that the chair is going to hold our weight. You see, we live by faith in a hundred different ways every single day. Even the most sincere atheist lives by faith, not only in their atheistic philosophies, but also in the very processes and procedures of everyday life. God created this universe in a way that the faith principle is always in play. For Christians, biblical faith is making reasonable assumptions about God's care and control over our lives, and it's based not just on our experiences, though that is a part of it, but also upon scriptural promises. Now, the Bible is full of a lot of different things. We see stories, we see prophecies, we see histories. But mixed in amongst all of that are God's promises. And the Bible is full of them. We may not understand every circumstance that we find ourselves in. We may not appreciate every situation that occurs in our life. Sometimes we may even feel like the Israelites, backed up against the Red Sea, while the Egyptian mighty army is pushing our way. You know, that's, that's where we get that, that saying, between a rock and a hard place. There aren't many choices left. Maybe we feel like that, but God has given us promises. And I imagine it's got to be a little disappointing to him when we doubt or question his ability or his willingness to keep his word. Now, I believe that we often do that because we're used to dealing with each other. <laughs> we're used to dealing with ourselves. And we know how untrustworthy we can be. We know how often we can let others down and they can let us down. And so it seems reasonable to assume that, well, you know, maybe God is going to do the same thing. But look at how Jesus responds to the disciples 
in Mark chapter 4. Mark 4, 39. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Now, I bet many of you parents wish you had that power just over your kids, right? I mean, sometimes it doesn't matter what you say. You're not going to get that peace. But here is Jesus speaking out against the wind, the waves. And they weren't empty words. The wind and the waves listened. There was a great calm. But then there's this. But he said to them, his disciples who were in the boat, and if you remember the story, they woke him up, freaking out. Jesus, do you not care that we're about to die? (laughs) They wake him up in hysterics, and he calms the storm. And then he turns on them and says, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no Faith. Why indeed? As Warren Wearsby put it, a faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. A faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. Faith is quantifiable. And the Bible tells us that we have all been given a measure of faith. So we all start off in the same place. We all get a little bit of faith. But then, sometimes we expect it to just grow automatically. That would be like expecting your muscles to grow by looking in the mirror. It doesn't happen like that, right? We got to put work into it. It's not always fun. It's not always easy, right, Cameron? (laughs) Those muscles didn't grow automatically. And our faith isn't going to just grow automatically because God gave us a measure. One person's faith, we look at them and it just seems turbocharged, full of, of life and vigor, while another's sputters on one coughing cylinder. And as Jesus wandered through the region of Palestine, it was almost as if he had some sort of spiritual x-ray vision. And he could look at people and he could penetrate their hearts. And he could measure their faith. He was interested in the quantity of faith being exercised by those whose paths he crossed. So let's look at a few of these interactions with the various people that he met. Matthew 8:10. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, "Assuredly I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel." Matthew 15:28. Then Jesus answered and said to her, "O woman, great is your faith." Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. 
Matthew 8, 26. But he said to them, why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So there are definitely degrees of faith. And Jesus richly rewarded those who chose to fully trust in him. That full trust, that full dependence upon God isn't given to us automatically. We've been given a measure and we've been given free will. We have the choice, the opportunity to decide where we place our faith and our trust. And I have found that oftentimes I place too much trust in myself. Even when I know how much I let myself down in other people. But it's just our human nature, right? I know for me, if I'm making a trip, I want to be the one behind the wheel. I don't like riding with somebody else. I don't like putting my life in others' hands. Yet I trust my own. Now that mindset changes when I get on an airplane. (laughs) I can assure you that. Matthew 9, 2. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, there's that spiritual x-ray vision again. He said to the paralytic, son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. So here, Jesus connects faith with salvation. And it is because of faith that we believe that God loves us so much that he sent his son to die in our place. It is because of faith that we believe his death was sufficient to cleanse us of our sins. It is because of faith that we believe that Jesus rose from the grave and that he's now in heaven preparing a place for us. And it's because of faith that we can hold on to that thing that we refer to as the blessed hope, that Jesus is coming back, that he's going to rid the world of sin and death and give us eternal life with him. So let me ask you this. How is your faith today? How is your faith today? Can you say amen to any of the beautiful things that I just mentioned? How is your faith today? We find the following in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Do you believe that God loves you the way he says he does? Do you believe he has your best interest at heart and wishes to bless and reward you? Are you diligently seeking him? On a daily basis. John Bisongo was a Christian pastor from Houston, Texas. In an old sermon, he described a time when his daughter 
Melody Jan, who at the time was aged five, asked for a dollhouse. And Pastor John nodded and promised to build her one. And then he went back to reading his book. But soon he looked up and he noticed out the front window that his daughter was going back and forth from inside to outside, arms full of dishes and dolls. And before long, there was a pile on the grass. And John got up and he asked his wife, what is our daughter doing? And his wife responded, oh, you promised to build her a dollhouse and she believes you. So she's getting ready for it. Now, how do you think that father responded? (laughs) He tossed his book aside. He went to Home Depot. He got all the supplies he did. And he built that little girl a dollhouse as quickly as he could. Why? Why did he do it? Because of her simple, childlike faith in his promise. That's why he did it. And I believe that this must be a lot like God and us. The Lord loves to respond to faith. When God hears from us or or sees our souls penetrated with a living faith, he can't wait to get started with pouring out blessings. For those of you that maybe it's your first time here, You expect this every Sabbath at noon. They're they're testing the alarms. I can assure you there's no tornado this morning. (laughs) But God can't wait to get started pouring out those blessings. His grace and his favor is more plentiful than we can imagine. And he's just waiting for us to give him permission to pour them out like a torrent in our lives. So once again, let me ask you, dear friends, how is your faith today? Has life and all its struggles got you down? Have fear and anxiety overloaded you? Are you frozen, not knowing which direction to go? Maybe you feel like the Israelites stranded by the Red Sea, and it looks as if there is no means of escape. Trust in God. Depend upon him in faith. Pour out your your concerns, your fears, your shortcomings to him. Tell him exactly how you feel and exactly what it is you need. The Lord loves to respond to faith. Amen and amen.